Welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Afternoon and good evening, buddies, to another episode of everybody's favorite show, BuddyCast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen. Thank you for joining us on another lovely Saturday. We're here with my new buddy, all the way from the United Kingdom, Lee Thompson. How are you doing, Lee? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Number one, thank you for joining us for an episode of BuddyCast. Number two, isn't this amazing like you and me were talking about earlier? We're all the way across the world from each other, yet we're chatting with each other like we're just right in the same room. It's, it's great. This is the future. It's happening mm. right now. It, it, it is amazing. It, it's the fact, and you know, it's people watch this as well and listen to this. You can listen to it anytime. I was listening to some of your podcasts earlier when I was going for a run. So the fact that somebody in the UK can be going for a run and randomly be able to hear it at any time. Yeah, this is it. This is the future. We are in these amazing times. Mm -hmm. So what episodes were you listening to, if you don't mind me asking? I was catching up on Charlie Brown. Um, Do you know, did he do the voice for the Christmas special? Because that's the one that's well known over here. I don't think he did the one for the Christmas special, but he did like the TV shows and everything. Yeah, it wasn't as popular here. So... Uh, Snoopy and Charlie Brown over here was more kind of the early eighties. Nice. Uh, we still get the Christmas one every year, but we, we it's not as well known. I think we didn't obviously get the, the cartoon in the paper or anything. Mm. So not as familiar, but it was yeah, it was good. It, it was really nice. interesting to listen to him and his stories. Nice. Now, Lee, you're a puppeteer. I got to start by asking, what sparked your interest in puppets? Yeah, it's interesting because it's such an unusual, I think, art form. You know, whenever you talk to performers, they generally want to be a singer, you know, or a dancer or an actor. Everyone wants to go in Hollywood. Not as many want to hang out with these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it comes from a young age. So I, what I found really interesting was I liked puppets before the, I knew they were puppets. So I remember on my first birthday cake, when I was one, uh, my mum got me a Kermit the Frog birthday cake because I, I was obsessed with The Muppet Show. It wasn't until years later that I understood that it was puppets, but there was something about uh, these these objects coming to life, these characters coming to life. And what I find really interesting about it is that it's not like a cartoon that's two-dimensional. I can touch these. They can interact. You know, they can hold things. It's, it, it's the closest, I think, to kind of real magic, seeing these characters come to life. And I think that's what you don't get with CGI or you don't get with cartoons. So I, I, I think it, I was influenced by really good puppetry, I, I think, which kind of sucked me in. And as I got older, you know, it, it then became even more magical, the idea that I could then manipulate these characters, and be anybody I wanted to be. And I, that, that was what I, I think is really appealing, that I can perform as a man, a woman, a monster, you know, a dog, a cat or anything. I can pick anything up and be that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's such a unique art form that way that, you can be any character you want to be. You don't have to worry about makeup and, you know, that's just bring to life anything. So I I think it's an unusual art form that appeals to very few. 
Nice. Can you show us like how you would, without using a puppet, how do you like maneuver a puppet with your hands and yeah, everything like no, that? No, it's a really good question. You, you're right. You don't, it doesn't get shared. It's a bit like how a magician will hide their secrets. You don't see that many puppeteers kind of showing it off. Um, and it, it's all really about these awkward positions because generally we work above our heads. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it, either in a lowered set or we have the camera up high and we, we record above. So if you think the camera generally cuts off there, kind of see, but you, you then be able to kind of use your hand. Um, and it's all about the performance and character and how you kind of move. But little things, little subtleties, the way you kind of move slightly, you know, and, and when you do the kind of talking, it's not just about randomly flapping away. It's how precision. So if you look at the hand and you can literally do, oh, hello there, how are you doing? And the trick is to move the bottom part, not the top part, because if you do and you get this, you don't get the realism because if you look at how a human being speaks, it's the bottom half that moves, not the top half. Ah. So we have to be very controlled, and instead, we just move the bottom part. So, like, move the thumb is what you're saying. Like, move yeah. the. And, and the temptation is wanting to move this. Uh, yeah. Because as a child, you'll pick up a puppet and just do that. And you think, so you think that's how you do it. Um, and it's all about so keeping the control and keeping every single movement subtle, but also matching up with how you speak. Mm hmm. And then the challenge on top of that is keeping your arm up the whole time, because even doing that for a couple of minutes, you start to get that ache. Oh, so you have yeah. to really work on that kind of muscle to be able to keep it up and keep that character to bring it to life and keep it alive. Because mm -hmm. if it doesn't move, it's dead. Oh, yeah. Yep. How do you work out that muscle? Like, how do you keep like that muscle on tone so you're not halfway through a show going, I'm regretting this or something, you know? You do. And sometimes your character slowly starts to dip. Yeah. Um, but I think it's muscle memory, it, it, it's the honest truth. So you, you have to just kind of be aware of your physical body, kind of stay in check, but also it gets easier the longer you do it. So you know, it's been over 20 years for me. So when I, you know, get my friends having to go, they pick one up after 30 seconds, it's too heavy. But if I tried to lift a weight above my head, I, I probably couldn't. But, and I, I think you compensate, you learn where to put your shoulder and your head and you, you fall into it. In the same way you think, how does a cyclist stay on a bike and not get saddle sore, you know, because <laughs> they've learned that and that type of thing. And the one that amazes me is wrestlers. How do wrestlers do all those bumps and not get the bruises and stuff? And I, I think the bodies are just conditioned to it. Nice. So I, I think the reality is it probably will hurt for a while, your arm, then in time it stops because your mm -hmm. body knows what it's doing. Mm -hmm. So can you introduce us to some of your friends and tell us about them? Yeah, sure. let me let me show you this one. He's, he's sat patiently wanting kind of to come out. Um, this is Mickey, um, and I, I understand this is probably the strangest thing if you're listening to this audio only. Um, mm. This is going to sound like a man just making weird noises. Um, but if you see how you get the, the eye focus with the eyes, and you can look around and you can see you, and when he does, he can talk. Oh, hello there, buddy. It's great to see you. How are you doing? Are you okay? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm so excited about being on this podcast. It's a dream come true. We're glad to have you. Glad you could be on. I like your tie. Oh, thank you. Some people think it's a bit cheesy, but it's not. And even if it is, there's nothing wrong with a bit of cheese. Exactly. Well, thanks for stopping on the show, buddy. It's okay. You can be my buddy anytime. Oh, oh. What's this strange man doing? <laughs> oh, he's a bit weird. 
Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to go now. Catch you later, buddy. Catch you later, buddy. And he shuffles off. It's strange, isn't it, how quite quickly you can get caught up in the illusion. Because exactly. obviously the voice isn't coming from the puppet, but your brain sees the mouth move and hears the voice, and you, you start mm -hmm. to forget, don't you? Mm -hmm. So that brings up a good question. How do you develop the characters? Like, how do you come up with, like, how do you come up with his voice and his characteristics? Yeah, it's a really good question, because I, I think it's quite instinctual. Like, And it can take me some time, you know, because it depends whether it's a puppet I've made or purchased or whether I've got the character idea first. But it, it, for me, it's about playing around, you know, it's, as you would do if you're doing kind of improv comedy. You know, you stick the camera on and you hold the puppet up and you just try a few different voices and mannerisms and kind of speech patterns, how quick the characters speak. Character is so important, though, because it influences everything else. Because I think ultimately we've only got a certain amount of voices in us. You know, after a while, they all start to sound the same. But, but the character is what makes it different. So if you think this is going to be a real worrying character, it's going to be a really happy character. You know, this one, Mickey, generally is a character I use when I perform with kids a lot because mm -hmm. um, he's one that kids really like. He's just so monstrous and kind of mm -hmm. over the top. So I, I, I think it's just about putting the thought into it, as you would as an actor. You know, try out a few different things and see what works. Um, then if it doesn't work, just change it. Because I, I bet nobody will remember if you change the voice or if you change the character, because it's, it's just about finding what clicks. And it's brilliant because of social media nowadays, you can perform a character and you can kind of judge it based on the success. If you get lots of comments and likes and follows, and stuff, you go, okay, I've got something here. If it doesn't, you can go away and change the character and tweak it and kind of come back. So you get that instant feedback, I guess. Yeah, you're absolutely right. With technology changing, there's there's so much better ways to get your work out rather than just mailing in a tape to see, hey, can I get this audition or something? Yeah. You know, you can be discovered right on social media. You can post short videos, short clips. You can do almost anything with social media. It, it's so true. And I, I felt very lucky in 2020 when lockdown happened and obviously COVID hit. Uh, because we're all stuck in our houses. Um, but but for me, it really opened doors because I found that there was a lot of um, companies all around the world that needed videos for different corporate things or, you know, different kind of projects. And I had jobs in New Zealand and India, Iran and Thailand, all from kind of being at home. And I think that was fantastic. What you can't see off camera is my studio stuff. I've got the green screen and the video cameras and the mics and monitors and stuff. And the fact that you can create this work at home now and be able to share it around the world, I, I think it's incredible. Mm -hmm. One of our buddies actually has a question for you real quick. Do you have a favorite character or one you feel most connected to or you enjoy the most? I know that's kind of like asking who your favorite child is. but Yeah, I, I, I tends to be the ones that don't hurt my voice very much or the lighter puppets. Uh, this one, Judo, uh, tends to be in a, uh, a lot of the videos. And it's become a bit of a spokesman. Uh, Cliff up there, which I might make one, it, it tends to be a favourite. He, he does hurt my voice a bit, but he's he's such an animated kind of fantastic character. So I, I think I think you have preference. You're right. Favourite's probably not the right word. Word. Uh -huh. like, I think you have preference on a bit because I do a lot of the cameo stuff. And yeah. Some characters that get booked, I go, oh, brilliant, because I know I can just do it quite quickly and I can stay in character. Other characters take a little bit more work and thought. So I think you have preference. You probably just don't have a an overall favorite. That's another good follow up question. Cameo, you're on Cameo. 
Yeah, yeah Cameo so does really well. Sorry, what were you going to ask? Yeah, tell us about Cameo. So Cameo and all the other ones, uh, Celeb VM, I'm on as well, and uh, Mimo, I'm on as well. Check me out, Cameo, Lee Thompson, Puppeteer. So if you type Puppeteer, I, I come up first anyway. Um, really surprised. Again, another post-COVID thing, 2020 thing. Uh, really surprised, and I think it's a lovely novelty thing. Um, most of it tends to be birthday stuff, and it tends to be people who forgot to get someone a gift. Um, <laughs> and, and they panic, and it's a really good, because they can do it within sort of 24 hours. And it's a really kind of good novelty way to get this character wishing you a happy birthday. But I get some random ones. I get it sometimes when couples fall out and they want a puppet to apologise, which is really cool. Good idea, though. And I think it kind of wears you down. Um, I, get some, I get some really strange kind of requests and kind of pet names or in-jokes. I don't quite understand. But I do. it, And it's I, I think it's quite nice. I, obviously, I'm not as expensive as some of the really well-known celebrities so I, I think i'm a nice bargain kind of basement option but it, it surprised me how popular it is and yeah but quite good fun to do um mm -hmm. I, I did a corporate video one um uh, somebody who who teaches people during battle planes got me to do one last week and that was quite funny joking about the parachutes and stuff um, wow. so yeah i, I, I think really and again it's, it's a real kind of new exciting market um yeah, it, it can be a little repetitive, if I'm really honest. If you get a lot of happy birthdays in the same day, you have to keep remembering what name you're saying. But I try to make them different. And you get a choice of which character, and you can give me an idea of what to say and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I, I recommend it. If, if people are finding that they get a lot of requests for kind of video content, get yourself some cameo. Mm-hmm. So, do you, Abby, I asked this to a lot of performers that come on the show. Do you remember, like, your first show, your first – like paid gig or whether it was like a family gig, something like that. I, I, do, I do those two, so two different levels. I remember, like most puppeteers, I first started doing puppet performances for like the local kids in the street. And I would do that thing where you get two chairs and like hang a sheet across and I would hide behind it and kind of lip sync to songs and do it. And then the kids in the neighborhood would all sit around and they'd watch me and stuff. And it, it was quite good fun. But then my first proper paid puppetry gig was when I was 19 um, and it, I was a proper fish out of water. It was genuinely really scary uh, because I, I'd only really done it, like I said, hiding behind a stage, not realizing when you get to the kind of a TV world, it's a camera, there's a cable to a monitor, there's mics, and I'm kind of hidden and I'm watching this monitor of my performance, but it obviously it's backwards. So, cause you can't really look up and see what you're doing. So you're having to kind of work that way. And it, it was like a different world. You know, and action having to do, it. and the, the company were doing it weren't that familiar with puppets. They obviously didn't record a lot with puppets. I remember like the third scene, I had to get this puppet to walk up these stairs. And I remember thinking, how's this going to work? Because I can't really lay down, and and I ended up kind of going backwards up the stairs on my back and having to kind of walk the puppet. Just the practicalities of doing it, and and keeping an eye on this monitor and staying in shot and all that sort of stuff. Um, it, it's, it's really interesting. I, I, what, when people ask me to explain it, I say it's a bit like learning to play the piano than having to then perform with a blindfold on. Because you learn puppetry to do all the movements, then you end up having to kind of do it from a camera angle as opposed to kind of what... It, it's so different, to, again, to just hiding behind a sheet where you can kind of look through and see your audience having to kind of work on a relay. Um, yeah. So it, it was daunting. I probably didn't really enjoy it 
but I, I loved it when it was all edited together and I saw it and I thought, oh, wow, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think it's it's one of those art forms, and I, it's similar to new musicians when they put everything together in the studio. I, th I think when they hear it at the end, they go, oh, that's brilliant. But at the time, they're like, you know, it's, it's not the most enjoyable thing to do physically, but the end result, I think, can be fantastic. Love it. And you're absolutely right, because I dabbled a little bit in puppeteering for our um, local center for disabilities here. And you're absolutely right. Like, you're, you know, sitting next to it, you know, you're making the movements, all that stuff, making them chat. But then when you're on the show, they're like up here, you're down here. So it's kind of like, hi, boys and girls, you know, stuff it, like that. It, it is, and it, it, it is so tough. And, you know, we talked about it before we started, the idea of keeping your arm up for these long periods of time. Mm -hmm. And you see when I do it, see how my head naturally tilts. Because if I keep it here, I've only got a certain amount of puppet room. So I naturally will go at an angle just so I can get a bit more of the puppet in shot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and, and sometimes to wear hats and flatten your hair down and all this sort of stuff. It, keeping your head out shot is, you know, the golden rule. There's nothing worse than ruining a shot with your head sneaking in. Nice. Now, a buddy of mine wants to know, you get an input on how the puppets look. Like, um, do you um, do you make them yourself? So you, do you buy them? Do you? Yeah, so a bit of both. So some of the early puppets I use, got some here I made myself, and I think it's a really good place to start because you you learn about the mechanics and how it works, and kind of you can make the puppet almost fit your hand. Uh, but as I progressed in my career, I buy more than I make now, and that's to do with time. It's a real time-consuming thing. You you know you're spending multiple hours. You know, with foam and patterns and cutting and, you know, attaching fleece and making the mouth board, making the arm rods and stuff. It's, it's a very time consuming kind of thing to do. A bit like, again, I keep going back to musicians, but a, a guitarist won't generally make the guitar because it would just take such a long amount of time. And I, I think as you get into it, you almost have to decide where am I going to spend my time here? Kind of thing. So I, I, I do it a lot less. But yes, the appearance. So if I am using a builder, I will do sketches and kind of pass that stuff on of what I'm after, that kind of thing. So, yeah, the appearance is really important. Not as much as the character, though. I think your earlier question was right. The character's more important because it's how you manipulate the puppet. Like, yeah. if you think of this character, I've got to be able to make him happy, sad, you know, scary, confused. I've got to be able to do all these emotions. And the face is just generally happy. It's very mm -hmm. default. So the, the appearance matters, but not as much as you think. It has to be quite neutral. Um, otherwise, you're very limited in what you can get out of the character. Mm -hmm. And how would you make him feel different emotions? Like I said, he's generally happy all the time. He's smiling on camera right now. Yeah, it's, well, let's, let's use this one. Let's use kind of judo. Um, it, it's about the subtleties again. You know, and, and if, if you've ever studied things like um, NLP and kind of body language, it's the same principle. You know, so you can bring him on. And firstly, if he's happy, he's going to be moving around. He's going to be very quick. You know, it, it's great, you're very happy and quick. Um, if he then gets a bit sad, he's going to slow down. He's going to take a deep breath. He thinks about what he's done and he looks at you slowly. Um, if we think about, you know, when, when you think about kind of sadness and memories, you may look up to the side and, and let it go. You may walk slower and ponder and again, look up and reflect. Again, I'm sure this is great if you're listening to the audio mm -hmm. um, and kind of bring it back down. But then he remembers everything's good. Everything's great. He's, you know, and he can come alive again and, and be happy. Uh, but then he remembers again that he's sad. 
and that really slow lift up. Tilt of the head, like a Labrador would do. She tries to work out what's going on. Here's a sound. What, what is it? But because he's quick again, he's happy and everything's good and he can dance. You know, so it's all about those motions, but it's what little things you can do because you are limited with, you know, with a puppet. And I've literally got two arm rods and my hand in it. So if I can do any little subtleties, you know, with his hand and little movements that, you know, might be bored or fed up. So he'll be kind of stroking himself. Mm -hmm. He's kind of thinking back. Mm. I love it. Absolutely love it. It's quite hypnotizing after a while, isn't it? The idea of oh, one hundred percent. Because you were like, I wasn't looking at no offense to you, I wasn't looking at you during the thing. I was looking at the puppet the whole time, like seeing how you were doing that. You know. Well, that's great to hear. You see, buddy, my name is Judo, and I am one of his main characters. Let's have a good look at you. Ah, look at you, eh? Look at you all the way in America. You Americans, you make me laugh. <laughs> yes, with your and and demand. Yes, your elevators, your sidewalks. <laughs> yes, you butchered the language. You really have. Okay, Judo. Yes. Big uh, grumpy today, isn't it? I know. And, and a little thing, you see, when he looks at me, I don't go... Yeah. Left or right, because I'd, I'd lose an eye. So he always tilts. Mm. It's all those little movements, which, which again, make a difference. And you see, when I look, I don't stay still, so I'm not dead. I'm constantly moving, so I'm looking left and right. And I'll take breaths. And as I take breath, he goes up and down, kind of thing. And his mouth will move, you know, like he's almost chewing or looking and that kind of thing. And he's constantly looking around, because the eyes are more important than the lip sync. noticed you it's, it's such a it's it's really interesting because ultimately he's foam and material it's a bit of cloth it's not mm. real you know and, and the idea of bringing you know it, it's the equivalent of a duster you know it's, yeah. it's just how it's manipulated to create that illusion of life it's it's so interesting that's awesome so when you do shows when you use characters like you were relaying messages they're like this is how he's sad this is how he's mad you know this is how he's happy again what messages do you really try to portray when you do a show? So I, I don't really do kind of any shows anymore. I, mean, I don't do in-person stuff. It, it's mainly, again, television work or online work and, and that sort of thing. Um, and it, the messages depend really on the job and what I'm paying me to kind of uh, perform and, and kind of create. But for my own content, so the stuff I do on social media and, and that kind of thing, um, it, it's really just about humor and silliness and fun and that sort of thing. Because I, I think that's what you need really on social media. You know, you, you don't really want to just read depressing, kind of boring stuff. And I think in this age of reels and TikTok and that sort of thing, you just want something funny for 30 seconds, you know? So that's really what I think the message is, is lighten the, the mood and have a bit of fun and just be a bit silly and that sort of thing. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I, that's really what I, I, I think about. There's not a kind of deep, profound message. There's obviously the, the underlying stuff, you know, like my puppets will never swear or, you know, kind of do anything or overly offensive. Just because I don't think puppets should, I, I, you know, it's not, it's a bit tacky, I think, mm -hmm. you know, and it, you'd get a laugh for 10 seconds and it all just feels a bit kind of uncomfortable. 
Yeah. So there's, there's, there's kind of general rules that you, that you follow as an entertainer, because like it or not, puppetry will always attract kids. And I, I don't class myself as a children's puppeteer, but I, I have to accept that that will always be part of my audience. So that there's always a, a, a kind of underlying moral that if you have, you know, like Judah there, kind of a rude character, somebody's got to get one up on, on him at the end kind of thing, or he's got to be left, the joke's got to be on him so that you, you kind of mm. teach that lesson. But, but I love conflict, you know, and mm -hmm. because I do a lot of it on green screen, uh, I regularly will perform both characters and have two having a conversation and that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a message of humor, abstract, absurdity, all that sort of stuff, all the kind of fun stuff that you mm -hmm. want. Oops, there we go. Sorry, you froze up there for a second. We call that a Walt Disney moment here. <laughs> so. But that brings up another question. How do you like develop the um the content, like the um the dialogue between the puppets? Like do you sit down and write it out beforehand or you just make a lot of it up as you go along? A bit of both. Again, really good question. Um and it, it depends really on what I'm doing that day and, and, and what I'm feeling. And again, the lovely thing about social media is that you're your own boss. So it, it, it doesn't matter to anybody else what you create. I say that, but as my following has got bigger, I think I've become more aware of the content. So I think it's about 6,000 followers now on, on, on Facebook. And you, you start to think, oh, God, what do the audience want? You know, what's expected of me? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, if I have a funny idea, you know, I, I, I did a video a couple of days ago um, about Linda McCartney, you know, Paul McCartney's uh, kind of deceased wife. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole video was about a character mispronouncing her name and calling her Linda McCarthy, uh, just because I'd heard something on the radio where somebody got a name wrong. And so I, I kind of wrote this idea down. And going back to your early point about character characterization, because I know the characters, I could then write it from two points of view. Um, so you see, I, I'll write, might write it out and kind of block it off different colors for different Ooh. lines, that sort of thing. Um, you can't really have live as much with two characters because you need to know how much time to leave between lines and that sort of thing. If it's a solo character piece, then you can. Then I, I, it would be mainly kind of ab living and that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I'll have to prepare it if the, if it's a kind of a confrontation or a, a debate and that sort of thing. Um, but it's interesting because when people ask me about um, what skills you need to be a puppeteer, I, I always talk about acting and um you know that idea of physicality so if you've got dance and that sort of thing to be loosely body but the other one i was talking about the third one um was in my late teens early 20s i did a bit of stand-up comedy and i think that really helps the ability yes. to be able to improvise and react and that sort of thing because if you've got those skills you're doing so much with the puppet trying to remember to do the lip sync keep the eye focused stay out of shot work the arms stay in character if you're doing all that, you if you can't think of what to say, you're in trouble. So you've got to almost be able to go into autopilot where you can just talk to the character. Then you can kind of focus on the other stuff. So it's it, it helps. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of performers have them. Do you have any funny yet audience appropriate stories from anything from being a puppeteer? I, I, not really. I mean. The, the, the worst bits are, I think, as a puppeteer, when things go wrong, or the, the funny stuff, is always stuff that happens to you. You know, it, 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 when, you know, a, a puppet breaks or an arm rod comes off, something, it's always on you. 
and a lot of the time it hurts. So I was doing a video again a few days ago with actually it was judo, uh, and I was doing a shot where he was turning around and coming around, and they kept kicking me in the head every time he came around. Um, and it, it, it's obviously funny when I watch the footage back and I see how annoying it is, but at the time it just really hurts. So you're not laughing. If anything, you're getting frustrated. Mm -hmm. What was one um, thing that I found funny, which I, sh I shouldn't laugh at? I remember doing a video with some young children. Uh, there was three of the kids. It was a, a spaceship thing with three kids. And they were, because of how it obviously works to get me down with the puppet, they were all on raised stalls. Uh, all three were sat on stalls. And annoyingly, the production company had used uh, stools on wheels. So I was crouched down doing the puppet. And one of the kind of kids, again, about three years old, had kind of leaned awkwardly and kind of fell off. And as they fell off, they really smacked their face on the floor. Mm. It was awful. But that's not the funny bit. It's when they put them back up. When I watched the footage, you can see that this child is proper, like slightly concussed. Like they're just kind of looking around kind of thing. And I'm carried on with the puppet talking. And this child didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. You get those sort of kind of, you know, moments but most of the funny stuff when you look back is yeah, now I'm not breaking, probably falling out of shot, you know, mm -hmm. something dropping on my head. It's all those kind of things. The, the trick though is to stay in character. So no matter what yes. happens, you have to kind of carry on and react. I was but, about to say, do you have to improv? Like if it looked like you're in the middle of something and then an arm falls off, do you ever be like, oh, you, have to, you can't break the illusion, especially the kids. Cause I told you at the start about, you know, up until probably I was four or five, I thought puppetry was real. I thought the cat is real. So if I'm ever performing in this children present, I've got to stay in character, you know, until they've kind of left the set. Otherwise, it's quite heartbreaking. So if something happens and you get moments again where a horn's fallen off or an eye's dropped kind of thing, you just have to carry on and add it to the scene. Um, and it's like special effects. It's, there's always stuff that goes wrong. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it's not very funny because it, it normally ruins the take. So yeah. it's, it's, it's funny afterwards when you watch the outtake and you go, oh, God, kind of thing. At the time, you are panicking. Mm -hmm. Do you ever create like a blooper reel or something like that? Yeah, you do, but it, I, I think you're too close to it. So when you put it together, you just have this overwhelming desire to cringe. You know, you watch it back and it's like all your mistakes are stupid things. So it'd be funny if somebody else watched it. You know, it's probably the same as you. You know, if you're doing stuff and you make mistakes, you don't want to see your mistakes, especially oh. your audience. So you know, every now and again, you may share the odd clip, but generally I, I try to erase them, pretend they never happened. It's, it's that fear, isn't it? That paranoia that one day when you die, your partner finds all your mistakes, plays them at your funeral. It's that thing, get rid of it all. I want people to think I was brilliant. Hide the awful stuff. Yeah. You know, erase but, I can it. See you. Yeah, but sometimes some of the best like uh, things on social media are like, if you can laugh at yourself, you know, if you can laugh at like, you did this, like, go back and be like, I can make this into, like, a funny, like, add some funny music behind it and make, like, a whole yeah. reel of it. Like, the whole, like, there's you doing so a show, true. all of a sudden, boop, there goes the eye. Or, like, hey, your arm got tired, so as you're doing it, yeah, oop, sorry about that, you know. It's that insecurity thing, though, isn't it? It's that imposter syndrome thing that you just want to present your best self kind of thing. And there's, there's a real vulnerability about showing yourself. You're, you're spot on, though. It is hilarious. And I love yeah. watching other people's mistakes. But yeah. there's, there's something about your own that just, you don't want to get exposed, do you? You don't want people, ah, oh, I knew it wasn't very good kind of thing. There's a there's a real, yeah, fear, I think, of exposing your own vulnerability. Mm -hmm. and, and, but I think it comes from security. And I think in time, 
perhaps we all get to a place where we are so confident in ourselves we don't mind showing off our our weaker times 100 percent so buddy where can we learn more about you well uh wherever you like really there's uh the lee thompson puppeteer.com uh website where you can you know watch stuff read stuff that sort of thing oh, i mentioned off the cameo and all, all that sort of stuff if you want to book anything we've got the online shop stuff boom there we go uh, mouse mats get your mouse mats there's all the merch and stuff uh, but again there's links from the website and, and that kind of thing there's the patreon you know if you want to regularly financially support me which is much appreciated uh, you can get bonus videos and behind the scenes stuff and that kind of thing because obviously Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, it's all Lee Thompson puppeteer, to be honest. If you don't forget the P and the H in Thompson, mm -hmm. uh, Thompson, Lee, Tom, Lee, Lee Thompson puppeteer, uh, Google it and all, all the stuff's there. But yeah, um, I, I'd, I'd recommend as well, you know, if you are thinking about getting into puppetry or you have an interest, check the stuff out and ask yeah. me questions. You know, people can send me questions and ask for pointers, where to get puppets, how to perform, all that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Happy to help. Awesome. Now, I have two more questions for you, and I'm going to reverse this because normally I save this one for the end, but it's the perfect time to bring it up. I've got two more questions to make this an ultimate, or to make this an official buddy cast. The first one is what I call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. You ready for it? I'm ready for it. For anyone out there who wants to get into puppeteering, who wants to be a puppeteer, what's your advice to them? Oh, it's a really good question. And it's probably a few stages. I, I think the first thing is to watch puppetry, you know, really watch it, you know, observe it, try to work out what you think is happening and, and that sort of thing. I, I think you have to have um, some kind of visual understanding and kind of representation of it to, to, to really get, and, and watch the stuff that you like, watch the stuff that you want to do. Because I, I talk a lot about hand puppetry, but there's marinettes, you know, there's glove puppets, there's so many different types of puppetry. So I think watch it. Second thing is get yourself a puppet. So you obviously need to get one to be able to do it. And that can be something from a local toy store. It doesn't have to be anything fantastic. Get something and kind of get used to playing around the manipulation. Then the third thing, which I think is the thing that most puppeteers that I see online don't do, is actually try and then get some training. And there's some really good places to go. But I do think, again, like a musician, like an actor, like any sort of performer, you do have to learn this stuff. You know, I, I was very lucky to learn under Mike Quinn, who's one of the Muppet performers. You, you do need to find someone to probably teach you because if you're just copying things, you're not gonna get it, you're not gonna understand why things happen and you're not gonna pick up on the subtleties. So get some proper training. Um, but as you're doing all this, really think about what story you wanna tell, really think about why you wanna be a puppeteer because you'll learn all this stuff, then what are you gonna do with it? You know, mm -hmm. whether you want to make your own videos, whether you want to make your own shows, perform at kids' parties, go on America's Got Talent. You know, what is your goal and what are you working towards? Because you don't want to do all this stuff, then you, you just give up. You know, it, it's the old Simpsons joke, isn't it, about Bart and Lisa having a closet full of things that they don't, judo kits and trombones and stuff that they've just mm -hmm. given up on. You don't give up on something if you've got a goal or a kind of an area that you want to work towards. So really think about, what is my ideal goal here? What am I working towards? Uh, then I think it will really help you and, and, and you're much more likely to get there. So that's nice. it. So I, I think it's observe, purchase, train, set a goal and you can nice. get there. 
I didn't realize we had a mutual buddy in common, Mike Quinn. Yes, Mike Quinn's great. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. he's fantastic. Obviously, he's a big part of the UK property scene uh, over here. You know, one of the original, well, as I said, he's a very early Muppet performers. You know, Star Wars legend, Little Shop yep. of Horrors. You know, he's one of the nicest blokes you'll meet. But he's influenced, you know, so many puppeteers around the world. Mm -hmm. um, his training is second to none. And I'll give you a quick plug for his. It's secretsofpuppetry.com. Uh, or just check out Mike Quinn on Facebook and that kind of thing. Uh, he's one of the best, bar none, uh, puppet trainers kind of in the world. Uh, the stuff he teaches you is incredible. Yes, highly recommend it. Secrets of Puppetry. Yeah, and, and the great thing about Secrets of Puppetry, I'm going to plug it again. Um, and, and if I've got that wrong, just Google it, Mike Quinn's Secrets of Puppetry. But you'll uh -huh. find it. And what's great is it's all virtual lessons online. So you get these hours and hours of, of, of videos. And you can watch it and um, you can do it in your own time and practice and stuff. And you could submit him videos and they give you critique and that kind of thing. Um, nice. Yeah, a brilliant way to learn. Highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. So, buddy, I've got one more question for you. This is brought to us by my buddy Jonas Kane at Hashtag Positivity. He wants to know, in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? Yeah, I, I hear that question a lot on your, also on your podcast. And it, it's funny because over here, we don't really use the word buddy much. Mm -hmm. I think it's a very American term. I think Americans use buddy and man probably the most. It, over here, it depends where you are in the country. Down south, down south, uh, they use mate a lot. You are mate? What mate? Mate? Uh, and they use, you know, I think like treacle. You are treacle. Uh, mm. Which is sweetheart. You are sweetheart. Then you go up north, and uh, which is where I'm from originally, and they use love. I right, love. Oh, love. You're all right. Uh, petal, which is really nice, you are petal, uh, and, and they use versions of that, it, it really kind of affectionate terms, but I like Buddy, you know, I, I think Buddy feels warmer than some of those other ones, I like love as well, and men call other men love as well, you know, which I think feels really strange outside of this country, because I don't think you'd call one of your mates love, right love, you know, you would use Buddy and that, and, and that sort of thing, uh, mm -hmm. I think Buddy is warmer than mate, I think it's friendly, and I think it means you're part of my family. You know, I, I think that's what it means. I, I think it's full of affection and love because you don't call somebody you, you dislike, buddy. You know, I wouldn't even call somebody I'm slightly, you know, dislike or I'm not familiar with, buddy. I, I would call it, use it as a sign of affection. So if I say to friends, hey, buddy, how are you doing? It, it, it comes from a place of love. So I, I, I think it's a really nice word. And I really like hearing men use it. Because I, I think we're very reserved in our language. We don't want to express as much as we would towards women and the way women do to each other. You know, how two men will meet and handshake, but women want to hesitate to hug and kiss and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think body is it, it's moving away from men into a bit more of affection. You know, like you see you're kind of younger guys now do their kind of high five hug and all that sort of thing. And I think body's part of that. Um, so, yes, I, I think it's it's always very warm. Um, and uh, I think it's reassuring when someone calls you a buddy. You think, mm. oh, that's quite nice. No one can be offended by the word buddy. No, not at all. Well, buddy, I got to say, number one, you're not a guest on the show. You're a buddy. Yeah, we got their buddies. Yep. So thank you for stopping on BuddyCast, for being a buddy on BuddyCast. It was a true honor to talk to you today. A true pleasure. You know, I've learned a lot oh, about you. puppetry. I'm glad I met some of your friends. You know, and like we said, how awesome is it? 
you're all the way in a different country, different time zone, everything. And yet we're chatting as if though we're right next door to each other. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. And it, it is, like I said, it's interview earlier, there's something lovely about people coming together, you know, and making the world feel that little bit smaller, you know, which, mm -hmm. which is really nice. And in this modern age, you know, where people can feel quite isolated and depressed and that kind of thing, knowing that you can reach out to friends around the world and stuff. Uh, it's exactly. fantastic. Yeah, it's brilliant. Exactly. Well, buddy, I have one favor to ask you before we close out this episode. Whatever you do today, tomorrow, next week, next month, even next year, please promise me you're going to go out and be someone's buddy. I will. I'll buddy away. Don't you worry. Yes. For all my buddies out there, this is my buddy, Lee Thompson. Please check him out on his website. Check him out on Cameo. Check him out on any social media that you may have. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Everybody's Favorite Show. Well, the days are going fast, buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last. Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone past, buddy, buddy, tune in to Buddy Cats. Don't be lonely, come make it, buddy, here on Buddy Cats.